Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. This is the conclusion of our conversation on ways to own your own sexuality with Habiba Kande. But before I get into it, I just want to make something very clear is that we are not giving any type of medical or religious advice. So if you have any concerns about your health, uh, please speak with your medical provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please speak with your family, neighborhood, religious leader. And this is the Muslim Sex Podcast, because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. You know, and I think um, exactly what you're talking about, and you have it actually in your book as well, is to, you know, um, sexual compatibility. And I think that that's a very good point as well, is to be able to have that conversation. I just spoke to somebody today and she said, you know, how do I, and she's married and she's been married for a few years now. And, and she said, how do I talk to my husband about intimacy? And I thought, you know, I felt bad because a lot of women feel that they can't even to people that they've been married to for a long time, that they can't even speak to their partners about intimacy or sex. Right. So that's definitely something that we as a community have to work on being more positive and, and opening up those conversations. We do. And sometimes um, it might be helpful to have a third person to help facilitate those conversations and the reason why i'll say this i'll give an example a, a hadith that happened during the time of the prophet peace upon him where a woman approached the prophet while he's with whilst he was with omar bin khattab and she said that i'm a muslim woman and i'm married and in my house i have a, a man who is like a woman meaning he doesn't have sexual intercourse with me then the prophet peace upon him he then said call your husband for me so i can talk to him so he called the, the husband and whilst the two of them were there he asked the man, why is your wife saying this? Like, what's going on? And the man, he was none the wiser. He said, no, I've, he used an expression and the expression in Arabic is basically, my my head is not wet from her. her. Like mean, meaning I've recently just performed the ghusl. We had just recently been intimate. But the issue was he had not been intimate as much as she desired. So there was like a, a difference in terms of like sexual um, expectations. And then the woman said that, no, you haven't been with me for a month. So in his mind, it's like, I've been intimate with you recently, but in her mind, she wanted intimacy more. And then the prophet, peace upon him, prayed for them both and asked Allah to, you know, help them come together and obviously um, resolve those issues that they they had. But that's an example. You've got a loving couple. They're both Muslim. You know, they're both, you know, practicing religious pious, whatever you want to call it. But she felt found found it difficult to communicate with him about her desires. Uh, She wanted sex more than he was giving her. Not that he was incapable, but maybe he was none the wiser or he didn't, she maybe didn't know how to communicate with him. So she went to the prophet peace upon him to intervene to kind of help with that situation. That's like an example where you may have like a, a sex therapist or sex coach who may be able to communicate in a way that, and sometimes it does happen that sometimes, and it could, both, it could be the male, it could be the female partner, that may need to hear it from someone else. Oh, okay, now I understand what you're saying. You know, so sometimes, and again, I can understand the reason why, especially the lady you mentioned she's been married for x amount of years so the husband feels and a lot of men we have a sexual ego you know we think that we know it all and sometimes we don't want to hear 
um, women speak about sex, unfortunately. So if he's, she's maybe in a predicament like a lot of women are that they've been married, you know, with their husband for a number of years, but she maybe hasn't previously vocalized her displeasure or dissatisfaction or what she likes in the bedroom. And now she's maybe frustrated, got to the point where no, I really want to say it, but I don't know how to say it. And maybe when she said it before, vocalized her frustration, he maybe, maybe shut her down. So that's why she then thought, okay, I'm not going to bring this up again. So then what do I do? So that's why, again, like I said, it might be a case of going to a counsellor, a coach, um, even using, oh, I've read this book or I saw this podcast. Or, you know, to bring up informally, because, again, like I said, men's ego is very fragile. And um, and a lot of men, for us to perform in a bedroom, we kind of need this ego. And sex for us, in many cases, and we spoke about this previously, it is quite performative. And it's in the sense that if, it was, if we was really focused about ourselves, we can finish within two minutes, even less than that, if you really wanted to. Whereas a lot of men and a lot of women probably do not realise it, that a lot of men, we delay ejaculation in order to satisfy or try to satisfy our female partner. Now, oftentimes, so if you've got a man, for example, he can generally last five minutes or six minutes, but he's delaying his ejaculation to last 10 minutes. He's actually doing really well for himself in his mind. But that 10 minutes still may not be enough for her because there may be other things she needs, other forms of stimulation in order to reach climax, which he's probably not aware of. Because in his mind, it's all about penetrative sex. He's not aware of clitoral stimulation or other things that he needs to do to get her to get to get her to, to that place. So again, it, it may be a case of going to a, a third party to kind of help facilitate those discussions. If it's someone that is maybe newly married or they've not been, you know, intimate before, then I would say, especially for the women, you have to, you should, you should vocalize as soon as possible. Do not wait and leave it, you know, years down the line. If you are in that predicament, it may be a case of you may might need to use an intermediary. But oftentimes, a lot of men aren't aware of their female partner's dissatisfaction, and sometimes, um, and it might sound quite controversial to say, but some women are not as good communicators as they think they are. So they maybe communicate to their friends, but to their partner, because they're this assumption that he should just know what I am what I want. And it's like, if you haven't communicated, and I get a lot of messages, and the first question I ask is, have you spoke to you know your partner? It's like, I haven't, he won't listen. And then it's, I'm like, he's not a mind reader, you know? <laughs> All right. you know he's, he's not a mind, so you first, at least give him a chance, communicate and communicate in a way, maybe not in the bedroom, it's probably not the best time, especially not after the act or during the act, choose the right time, the right place, the right mood to communicate. If you've communicated maybe once or twice and he's not getting it, then maybe sort, seek other, um, you know, means to kind of get that message across. But to expect him to just know what you want, and I do hear that a lot, and that's some of the frustrations that I hear from men, is that they may say that, oh, their partner is recommended for them to go to therapist or counsellor, this, that, and the other, and they've never even mentioned there's been an issue. And then they might go through a session and then he's hearing oh, for the last 10 years I've been faking. And he's just like, what? Yeah. And again, for a man, it's like, not only am I hearing something that is soul-destroying and quite embarrassing, because again, like I said, we've got ego, you're selling me this in front of someone I don't know. So there's a lot of things for a man to process and he's just like, what is going on? You know, and that's something that, again, it's something that I try to, the women that reach out to me is like, try and have that conversation because he may not know and oftentimes if he does love you which i'm sure he does because he's married to you and he's doing all of these things for you it's just that he doesn't maybe know 
you know, what turns you on or what gets you to, or maybe things have changed. What turned you on or what got you to that point two years ago? It's not the same now, but if you're not having that honest and open conversation and being effective in your communication, you can't expect for him to learn. So that's, that's something I definitely would say the importance of communication is, is essential. That's huge. Yes. And I think that, you know, what you mentioned, and uh, we'll start to wrap this up, but what you mentioned about, um, you know, things change as as we age, right? So for example, if you have some medical conditions that weren't there before, but now they're there, if you have high blood pressure or diabetes, you know, some medications that people are on, those can affect uh, libido and desire and uh, things of that nature. And also, for example, a um, lot of psychological stressors, right? What you also mentioned, like anxiety, depression, a lot of medications that deal with that, for example, antidepressants, right? SSRIs, they will affect libido. So, you know, a lot of things that we don't take into account and that we forget uh, also impact uh, sexual desire and libido. And like you said, the most important thing is to be able to communicate. Communication and education, I think, are the two things that are the key for women to empower their own sexuality. And I think that if women have those two things, then a lot can change in and out of the bedroom. But until we educate ourselves, then it's going to be impossible to empower ourselves, right? And um, I think that that's, that's one of the most um, key things that I would take away. Any parting thoughts? Um, before we wrap up, Habib? Um, I have actually a question for yeah. you. Um, what has been um, the most challenging thing you've you faced now doing like sex coaching, especially for, for women the past like couple of years? What's been the most challenging um, thing to overcome? I think that um, some of the few things that I've noticed is that there's a huge hesitancy of women to seek out help. I think that most women could probably use sex coaching and, you know, even before they know what it is automatically, you know, they, they think that it's, it's bad, it's wrong and um, that they don't, it's something that they don't need to learn about. And I think that, um, that is one of the biggest barriers is how we see sex and that for most cultures, sex is taboo. Mm -hmm. And so they don't, you know, some women think that it's improper to talk about this in public and are really hesitant to discuss it, um, even with a healthcare provider. And I think that that is one of the biggest challenges. I think it's the thoughts that we carry. I think it's the cultural baggage. You know, a lot of women are, first or second generation Muslims here in in the US. And and yet we still carry those same thoughts. So although, you know, say that I'm in the US, so even though people, you know, we believe that everybody is liberated and there's so much information out on the internet, we still carry those very puritanical thoughts with uh, within us and about what we believe that sex is and what sex isn't. And the whole reason why, you know, I asked you to come on is simply for that reason, for, to, to give women, to tell women that they can and should and give themselves permission to own their own sexuality and to learn about it and that it's not wrong, right? And I feel that so many women groups that I have spoken to recently, uh, it's that it's almost that um, awe moment, like, you know, the, the aha moment where, where, where they realize that, oh, I, 
I can learn about this or that it's not wrong or I'm not committing a sin if I if I learn about my own body, if I give myself permission to experience an orgasm that I have uh, in Islam, I'm given that right to experience pleasure, you know, and and this today actually for me was an aha moment when I realized that the hadith about the pleasure about pleasure and what the Prophet peace be upon him had said about pleasure was said so long ago and only recently is that now incorporated in the definition of and told within sex education. So I think that you know there's so much in Islam that we don't know or perhaps we haven't learned and it's only through people such as yourself that have read and studied and studied at you know the premier university for islamic thought and have relayed that information in books that we learn right and that it behooves us to learn these things because when we create that sex positive environment in our homes then that will get translated to our children, hopefully. And then they will create sex-positive environments in their homes, right? And hopefully, at some point, we can overcome this, uh, these puritanical attitudes that we have towards sex. And I'm not saying for it to become like vulgar or obscene. That's not, you know, that's not the whole, that's not the point. The point is that we empower ourselves through education. And that actually is my whole platform. You know, as you know, I'm on social media. And, um, and that's the reason, that's my whole why, why I even do what I do is I want to empower and educate women specifically. And of course, if, you know, men come on and they learn and, you know, they find it of value to their, their lives and their education, then, you know, I've, I'm grateful for that. However, my main audience is really Muslim women who I feel are often left behind. And, you know, in some countries, as you know, are not allowed to attain education and um, definitely not sex education, right? So I feel it a privilege and a responsibility that, you know, if I'm able to, to educate women and, uh, you know, reading authors such as yourself, you know, it allows me to learn so that I can then also go on and teach. Oh, beautifully said. And um, I'm, I don't, I, I kind of like, don't like to collaborate with someone more than once. Um, I just, yeah, but because I'm, I'm not doing this like full time, but the reason why I'm I'm more than happy and I've loved collaborating with you, so like it's our third time um, or maybe fourth time, is because of the work that you're doing. Not only is also, I commend the work you're doing, but also you're an expert in your field. And I think it's important that Muslims, especially Muslim women, see that because Whilst I, you don't get me wrong, it's great that we have, um, you know, professionals in um, that are not Muslim, but it's important that we have someone as a Muslim as well who understands and can relate to people's um, cultural and religious beliefs and can understand and identify where they're coming from. And that's why, again, um, I'm more than happy to collaborate with you and just commend you for the work that you're doing. I know it must be difficult because as a man, it's very, it's very easy because I don't get no way near, I'm sure, like the silly messages and stuff that you must get. But just to know that um, there are a lot of people who support that what you're doing and people are watching you from afar and are being inspired by your work. And again, just knowing that the scholars, and that's why it's important, like you mentioned about education, because the scholars of the past, they were also working or trying to understand what the medical experts were saying about sexual matters. Because people need to realise just because someone is an expert or studied Islamic law, it doesn't mean they understand the female anatomy. Sure. You know, and this expectation that, 
you know, um, a scholar, because a scholar is going to be learning from other learned people, experts in their field. And that was something that, you know, the scholars and erotologists were doing. So that's why it's good that we've got people like yourself um, in the online. Just please continue doing what you're doing. Um, you are a beacon of light. And just, like I said, just just keep doing it because you're definitely empowering and inspiring um, many people around the world. So just keep it up. Oh, thank you. And likewise, you know, so for our listeners, as we wrap up, I want to, again, um, let you know of the book that I reference on a daily basis. I'm not even showing it. There we go. On a, literally on a daily basis. It's uh, the book Women of Desire. It is my go-to book. I read it all the time. I've highlighted it, started, go back right. to it like 50 times. I can't even tell you. I look at this page, like just all over. <laughs> Started, highlighted, underlined it. Um, so it is an amazing book. It's called Women of Desire. And it's the cliff notes, really, <laughs> to a taste of honey, because it's uh, definitely smaller and uh, very, it's a quick read and very easy. Uh, for anyone who wants to learn more about uh, what Islam says, what the Hadith say, and um, just to empower yourself and to know that you have the right to learn about your own body and about your own pleasure. And you were given that right 1400 years ago. So time to embrace it. So thank you very much, uh, Mr. Habiba Kande. It's always such a pleasure. And I'm always so grateful when you say, yes, you'll come on to my podcast or Instagram. So thank you again. Thank you so much. And until next time, um, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Remember, this was not meant to be any type of legal advice <laughs> or fatwas, right? Um, so if you have any questions regarding legality of anything that I've said that's uh, religious, please uh, speak with a Muslim scholar that can tell you about, um, you know, the fiqh or the jurisprudence of uh, the legal rulings in Islam. But until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one -on -one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsadaf.com. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast.